You're listening to the Quietly Ambitious podcast, and this episode is one from before we rebranded. So if you hear references to Creatively Human, that is why. I hope you enjoy the episode. You're listening to Creatively Human with honest conversations about what matters to us and how it really feels to build an online business, put our work out into the world, make an impact in our own unique way and importantly to get well paid for it. I'm your host Ruth Poundwhite, business mentor to quietly ambitious humans. Before we dive into the episode I just wanted to invite you to join my newsletter to get three bonus episodes of the podcast. I recorded these at the end of 2019 exclusively for email subscribers and they dive behind the scenes of my business. They give a really honest look into my feelings on resilience and failure money and building my community. The link to sign up is in the show notes or you can head to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash podcast and you'll see a button to subscribe on that page. Okay, on to the episode. Today's podcast conversation is all about getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, which I think is such an important topic for anybody running their own business. I'm talking with Holly June Smith all about things that we have both tried that have made us feel uncomfortable but were worth it, the difference between being uncomfortable because something is not right for you or it just being something new that is actually worth trying. We talked about the discomfort of sort of juggling the work-life balance or seesaw as she calls it. We also talked a lot about the discomfort around selling which I know is so common with business owners and we talked a lot about being comfortable with kind of staying in your own lane and knowing what it is that you want to do with your business. I loved this topic. Now, before we dive in, I'm just going to tell you a bit more about Holly. She is a life coach who helps people find their sweet spot between productivity and presence. She knows that we all have goals we want to achieve, but she reminds us how important it is to remember to live in the moment. Holly is also a wedding celebrant, a mum of two girls and an avid fan of potatoes in all their forms. And I also happen to be a huge potato fan. And you can find her at hollyjunesmith.co.uk or on Instagram at hollyjunesmith. She's brilliant at Instagram stories. So yeah, I hope you enjoy this episode. It is such an important topic for all of us. I'm going to start by asking you, why did you pick discomfort as your word for the year? It sounds like quite a it can have negative connotations. So it's an interesting choice for a word of the year. And what does it mean to you? It, it is an interesting choice. And, you know, in previous years, I've had much more positive sounding words. Last year was compassion. Uh, one year I had question as my word to guide me. Um, so I've been doing this for a few years now. And in other years, it's taken a while for a word to come to me. But discomfort came to me during a night feed. So I've got two little girls, they're three and 18 months. And as soon as I thought of it, I was just like, oh, yeah, that's going to be my word for the year. And I think it really encapsulates so many things for me in terms of being at a stage in my business where I am growing in a way that means I'm having to try lots of new things. And sometimes that can be a really uncomfortable phase to be in. Also, the kind of um, political and societal climate that we're in at the moment, there are lots of things happening that I don't want to avoid. And that means showing up for uncomfortable subjects and um, using my voice and my power for good, which is not always an easy thing to do. And I think also just recognising that we can't just focus on the end goal and the really positive things all the time. We also have to be on the journey of wherever it is that we're going and it's something that 
shows up for me all the time. It shows up for my clients a lot of the time. And I'm always encouraging them to really like embrace what the journey is teaching them and recognize the lessons on the way. So discomfort really summed all of that up to me. And then when I posted about it on Instagram, I did think, hang on a minute, this did just come to me in the middle of the night. I was probably half asleep and I didn't really think about it beyond that. Was it really the right word? But we're a month into the year and it's been working really well for me so far. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. I'll have to ask you specifically about how it's been working for you. But for now, I'm just going to like dig into it a bit more because for me, discomfort has been coming up loads, especially I would say in the last few months of 2019. It's like when you know something and then you really know it. And I feel like I just really, it just clicked with me like, I'm going to just have to be uncomfortable, you know, if I want to do the things I want to do. And actually, I love that you brought up the political stuff as well, because that is another side of it, right? Even though you're building a business, you're also building a platform and it's really important for you to use that platform. Absolutely. But um, yeah, Um, and I've, I I work with people in terms of building their business around what's good for them and what what works for them. But I've come to realise that there's a difference between things being just the wrong thing for you and that's fine you can leave it forever or just something feeling a bit scary and a bit uncomfortable and actually that's not discomfort isn't a sign that a thing is necessarily wrong for you so that's Mm. kind of the place I've that's how I've been feeling about discomfort over the last few months and I love that we get to dive into this topic because I think it's such an important thing for any business owner really yeah I think you've nailed it there because often we can feel uncomfortable and and a lot of sense of discomfort about things and we really need to interrogate what it is that we're feeling uncomfortable about because sometimes that feeling is telling us this is absolutely not the thing for you and sometimes it's actually there's some lurking excitement and there's maybe a bit of healthy anxiety there that's you know just keeping you in check so yes it doesn't always have to be a bad thing it's important to be able to see the two I'm glad that it's been sounds bad to say I'm glad it's been showing up for you but it's good to know that uh that it resonates yeah definitely so can you talk a bit because I know when we were kind of going over the topics for this episode you mentioned to me that you have made some quite uncomfortable decisions over the course of you know deciding to take this path and build your business Mm, yeah can you talk about some of them yeah I mean I guess anything that you're doing when you run your own business is always going to little be it's always going to be a little bit scary and intimidating and so my background is I've had quite a varied career, but the biggest thing that I've done is that I worked as a digital project manager in the charity sector for um, nearly a decade, all in all. And I did some amazing things there. And it was a wonderful place with great people and a brilliant cause. And I started my businesses while I was there as kind of side businesses. So um, my celebrant work, I started just as a, a kind of extra Saturday job for some more cash. And then I knew I wanted to do my coaching training and I took that on in the evenings and then um, continued to see clients in the evening. And then when my kids came along, it was just such an enormous transition. And you can really sort of, when you run your own business, you can dial it up or down around the capacity that you have with your kids. But I had to come to that sudden realization of I'm either going to return to work after maternity leave and I will definitely have to close my businesses or I'm going to make that decision, which is really scary, to not go back to the the safety of being self-employed. And I'm just going to go all in on my own businesses and see where that takes me. And it's been really uncomfortable because 
I've been through a sort of emotional cycle with it. Part of me was really like upset that I wouldn't be able to go back and that that life seemed to be kind of closed for me. And it's not for everyone, but for us, ultimately, it really came down to money and flexibility. And and actually, they had really good flexible options. But the money that I would have had to spend on childcare and travel would have basically eaten up my salary. And I just didn't feel that that was what I wanted to do. But that was an uncomfortable decision to make. And then to know that you're just going to be bringing in money by yourself and you don't have that safety net of it coming in from somewhere else is really scary. And, you know, taking the leap, it it, it really does feel like sort of standing on the edge, doesn't it? And saying, I'm not going to, that's not me anymore. It's this now and focusing on that. And then I guess there's been some other sort of scary things just in terms of thinking about how I sort of balance everything around my kids and, you know, what it is that, capacity is really interesting conversation that I've been having a lot recently because when you run your own business you get to decide your own capacity and when you're starting out you have so many ideas and you want to do so many things and when you love the work you just want to work all the time so one of the uncomfortable things that I've had to do is really rein that in and not be trying to work 24 7 and um, I think we're going to chat a little bit more about what you know, the myth of work-life balance (laughs) looks like for me. But also one of the things I found really uncomfortable when I was first setting up my business, especially my coaching business, is this huge thing of comparison. Because whatever it is that you do, if you're online doing that, you naturally start to gravitate towards other people doing that thing. And then you see them doing this amazing thing. And I've definitely had that wobble of, there's everyone's a coach. So many people are out there. They're all doing the same thing. There's no, like, what's the point? Why would anyone want to work with me? You know, there's nights I've gone to bed in tears about it and it's been really uncomfortable to push past it and not feel that comparison. And it sounds really tough, but I always try and remind myself that there are always going to be more customers than coaches in the same way that nobody ever thinks I'm not going to go to medical school. There's already enough doctors. You know, there, there is a need for it. It's just when you're surrounding yourself with people doing the same thing, your ego can really take a hit. And I've, at first, I was really resistant to being part of that community. And then I've overcome my discomfort of it to really embrace it and collaborate with people. And that has really paid off, not just for me, but also for them, but also for the women that we work with. And it it could have been, there was definitely a turning point where I could have just gone, this is too uncomfortable. I don't like it. I'm not going to do this anymore. Mm. That was massive. Yeah. You've brought up so many different kinds of discomfort there. So like there's the discomfort in like making a decision, not having that um, sort of income coming from someone else, like it, mm. it resting on your shoulders and like that kind of roller coaster of being self-employed. The discomfort of letting things go, which I relate to so much when you need to prioritize, like especially as a parent, yeah. but yeah. all entrepreneurs have this anyway. Like we always have too many ideas, not enough time. Um and then the discomfort of, yeah, the comparison and stuff. I think I like the way you framed it in those ways, because when I I guess the first thing you think about is discomfort in terms of just trying new things and stuff. But it's not just about that. It's like literally being uncomfortable, even just being there surrounded by other people doing the kind of thing you're doing. That in itself is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And it's good to acknowledge that. So, yeah, let's go into a few of those areas. So let's start with the kind of prioritizing and letting things go because and being like a mother of of young children and doing yeah. it all right 
because that is something that I have been dealing with yeah ever since I had my son and I you have two businesses I have two businesses it is a lot right in your head yeah (laughs) a lot literally in physical reality as well um and I I find it so hard to prioritize and let things go so hard to like scratch things off my to-do list and I it's amazing how difficult it is when it seems like you're literally making yourself your life easier by actually doing it (laughs) yeah it that resonates so much I mean I think that for me I've been on a bit of a journey with it because I people always talk about work-life balance and when they talk about work-life balance what they're really talking about is work-family balance they're Mm. like how do you show up for your work and how do you show up for your kids Mm. you know I don't really hear maybe it's because I'm a mum but I don't really hear that many people who don't have kids or who are men talking about work-life balance um but I have found that it's just not possible for me so I think of it as the work-life seesaw where you're going to be spending time on one side on your work, you're going to be spending time on one side with your kids. And the key is just not to spend too long on one side. You know, you've got to be going back and forth and back and forth because that's what makes it fun. But also to keep going with the park analogy, there are other things going on in the park. You don't just want to spend all of your time on working kids. Mm -hmm. You also want to have some time on the swings. You want to go down the slide. You know, you want to do things for yourself that are enjoyable outside of just being a mum or just being a business owner. So I have found that thinking about my life as kind of those three sections, like work, family and me, is a bit more helpful in terms of prioritising because I don't want to neglect one of those areas. Obviously, me is always at the bottom of the pile. That's just normal. But if if we truly forget about it, then we can send ourselves into terrible places. But when it comes to the whole, like, too many ideas, too little time thing, I'm exactly the same. And I went through a really uncomfortable phase when I was um, fully, when I'd just gone like full time on my own businesses, where I was doing so much prattling about uh, with maybe I'll try this, maybe I'll try that. I'll just do this webinar. I'll just learn this thing and just constantly doing five minutes and chipping away at different things and nothing was making progress. And the thing that I, I just needed to take my own advice because when I have clients who are coming to me to look at the growth of their business, the first thing that we focus on is what's going to bring you money. Because if you're not making some money early in your business, your business is not going to be able to grow and then it's going to end and you're going to have to go and find a job. And so even if it's not the stuff that you want to do fully or forever or, you know, the biggest thing in your business, I've really tried to focus on the stuff that's going to make me the most money the most quickly. So I'm really lucky that wedding work just comes in naturally and that kind of goes throughout the year. But I've really looked at pushing myself out of my comfort zone and doing some things that are more accessible for people, like my coaching workshops, which I teach online. Anyone can come to them. They're very scalable. And those are a great thing that I can do that mean that in the background, I can then sort of work on growing other stuff. I use that like 80-20 principle quite a lot. So I can't be spending 100% of my work time on one thing. And I try to keep that 20% for you know, tinkering away on like getting things growing that I will be able to launch further down the line. I like the fact that you brought up the kind of flitting around thing that people do because I've seen it firstly in myself a lot, but also in my clients. And it made me, I think we have a tendency to want to try everything, not just because it is fun. Like, let's be honest, it's quite fun, like learning all these marketing stuff and trying out things like creating things from scratch. It is fun, but I think... 
it's very uncomfortable for people to choose something because what if it doesn't work? So like people want to be on all the social media marketing channels because, oh, what if I focus all my time on Instagram and it doesn't work? Or, you know, they want to do all the webinars and all the funnels and all the different like, like all the different different products and blah, 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 because what if I choose one route and it doesn't work? But the truth is, especially I feel like as individual entrepreneurs, like if you have a huge team, then maybe you can try all this stuff at once. But it's just, it's hard to make the choice and to decide. And let's face it, we are responsible for everything we choose to do in our businesses. And I think that in itself is really hard. So yeah, it's uncomfortable to choose. But I think it was really useful that you brought that up because I know in my experience and in a lot of other people's experiences, when they do make that choice and they can like put the real work into the like specific things they've chosen it does pay off I think it's interesting that um you mentioned being resistant to actually getting things done because what if it doesn't work um I did some coaching with Sass Petherick who I knew you had on the podcast before who's amazing and she really brought home to me this idea of um yes we're afraid of failure that's very common but also we can be afraid of success and what if it does work and sometimes that's the thing of like you know, let's say I create a group coaching program and then I put it out there and then people buy it. Oh my God, that's actually scary because now I have to do that thing. Like sometimes it's more comfortable if things do fail because you don't have to go through with the bit that's actually uncomfortable. That doesn't, that feels like it doesn't make sense. But sometimes doing the things you want to do is the thing that's more uncomfortable than hiding away and not doing it. Um, and then also that thing of feeling like you're never ready this comes up so often for my clients. If I just do one more course, if I just do one more free client, if I just do a little bit more marketing, if I just do a little bit more networking, then I'll feel ready. And I don't think we'll ever feel 100% ready on anything that we're doing. We just have to go for it, learn as we go, get a little bit more comfortable. You know, I've been talking a lot recently about the things that I couldn't do this time last year. And how massively different that is so for example I did your cultivate email course and this time last year I didn't have a mailing list and I was like oh I need to get that sorted I knew I wanted to do it and getting dug into setting up was really overwhelming because it was just a technology that I hadn't used before and I was intimidated and then going through that course with you was really brilliant because it made everything super clear and gave me loads of ideas and loads of motivation to recognize that it's just about taking it step by step And, you know, a year on, I have a a really fantastic mailing list and, um, you know, it brings me work, but it's also a great way for me to connect with my audience away from Instagram and, you know, platforms that other people own. So, um, yeah, I think it's really important to recognize that sometimes we just got to take those little steps and it's the classic feel the fear and do it anyway, which is such a cliche. But I also talk quite a lot recently with my clients about I'm just going to be throwing you loads of like bullshitty old quotes (laughs) (laughs) but it's this quote that is often misattributed to Teddy Roosevelt and um, I then butcher it so it goes do what you can with what you have where you are and then I like to add until you can do more and that's been a really big thing in my business last year because I've used a lot of free platforms I've used a lot of um free tools and things and I've you know taken on a lot of free training and a lot of things that's about just you know if you don't have a huge amount of money in the early phase of your business to be reinvesting and I know we're going to dig into this a bit more 
just do what you can with the tools that are available. It's an amazing time to be able to set up a business and run it through the internet because there is so much that you can use for free and you can learn it and then you're not really taking any risks and you can try things out and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work and you try a different way. But there also becomes a point where you might go, there's an easier way to do this or a quicker way to do this if I then start to pay to do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You made me think actually in terms of just, yeah, avoiding kind of, even I can't remember what you said but it made me think of my own journey with starting this new business right I'll start before you're ready you know feel the fear and do it anyway so I I knew for years I wanted to start this kind of business where I was working more directly with people and like helping other people with their businesses and things and I was doing half faffing around and half not doing anything um and in the end what actually worked for me to just get this business off the ground was literally just starting I didn't have anything to sell when I started like my new Instagram account and I just started talking to people I didn't have anything to sell I didn't know exactly what I was doing and that was the thing I was trying to figure out it all I was trying to figure it all out before I put anything out there and in the end just starting putting bits out there not really having anything to sell at first talking to people getting feedback building up community just doing it before I was ready, it was the only way for me to do it because it also just built up some momentum and kind of thought, like people would ask me like, uh, what do you actually do? I was like, well, I don't have anything available at the moment. So then I was like, right, I've got to figure out how this is actually going to be a new business. And it was, and and then we also talked about the like, discom- the, how it's comfortable to stay where you are. And it was comfortable for me not to do, not to set up the new business, right? Mm. But the problem was, there was a deeper level of discomfort, like in knowing that I wanted to do something different and I wasn't taking action on it. So although mm-hmm. my day-to-day life was easier or more comfortable because I wasn't taking that risk or taking that leap, deep down, I felt really unfulfilled and just, I knew this is not what I'm meant to be doing and I'm not taking any steps, even though I have the time and I have the freedom to do so, I'm not taking any steps towards what I really want to do. So there was a deeper underlying level of discomfort there. Yeah. If that makes sense, but it was just... It totally It does. It's classic short-term gain, long-term mm. pain, mm. where mm. Exactly. we have a vision and something that we want to do, but it's easier to not. But it doesn't mean that the discomfort goes away. It's just the same as when, you know, you want to save up for a holiday, but that doesn't feel very fun. So come payday, you you know, spend 200 pounds on ASOS or whatever. There's lots of, there's lots of things that people do for short term pleasure at the expense of whatever it is that they're trying to gain in the long term. Um, yeah. And re- and resisting is one of those things that makes total sense to me. Yeah. Yeah. And also when I did finally start everything up, one of the first, one of the earlier things I did before I even had anything to sell was I started this podcast and the level of discomfort that I had before or behind the scenes while I was booking my first guests, while I was recording my first episodes and editing them, you know, that's like the most cringy thing ever. <laughs> I was so uncomfortable. And at that time I was doing night feeds and I would literally wake up for a night feed and all the anxiety would come rushing to me, like literal, like real anxiety. It was very uncomfortable. Um, And the only way I got through it, I think, was because I had support and I had loads of people telling me, it's okay, it's meant to be uncomfortable because you're stretching your comfort zone. It's okay, it's Mm -hmm. okay. And literally just trying it. That was the only way I could get through it, was doing it. 
And as soon as I released that first podcast episode, I was like, oh my God, I meant to do this. <laughs> it was just, I. it was, it's that experience I'm very grateful for having because I, I don't know if I've ever felt that uncomfortable about anything in my work. It was, I can't like, yeah, it really was uncomfortable to me. And just knowing that I actually love doing the podcast and don't get me wrong like I still find it uncomfortable sometimes like I still get nervous about things or I still like worry about certain random person from my real life listening to my podcast but <laughs> it, it does feel amazing so it's such an important lesson I feel like I've gone off on a bit of a tangent here but um yeah no I think it's great and what I love so much about you in the way that you show up for your work is that you share that journey of how you felt about things as you go and you know I'm, I'm, I completely recognize that getting that first podcast out there must have felt so uncomfortable because you were doing so many things for the first time, even down to, you know, getting a podcast uploaded to iTunes is, you know, it's not that difficult a process, but if you've never done it, of course, it's going to be intimidating. And then every time you take action to do a podcast, the next time you do it, it becomes easier because now it's like, a habit and you just know and your process for getting me booked on here was absolutely incredible it's like the most organized I've ever levels been. of organization <laughs> yes um and so you know that that makes it much easier for you to do that you're you're setting really great foundations for it to be less uncomfortable mm. and I think that shows mm. it's great oh thank you so what are some of the things you've been doing over the last year that have kind of made you feel uncomfortable I mean, you mentioned your email list. What mm. else have you been doing? How have you felt in those moments? I guess so. The the biggest thing was not returning to work after maternity leave and going all in on my own business. And then for a while, I had one of my daughters had three days of nursery and the other one had one. And then I only upped them to three days each in October 2019. Well, it was meant to be September and then they got back to back chicken pox. So we don't talk about we don't talk about that month whereas I was you know there's lovely back to school vibes and I was really excited and I had loads of great plans and then it was just completely screwed so only really for we're talking four months now and that's been a really great shift for me because I'm able to get back into that zone of having like a full working day three days a week and then obviously with weddings I'm off often most Saturdays doing those all around the country which is great and I guess the stuff that's been really uncomfortable has just been completely adapting the way that I work from what it would have been like when I showed up to a desk every day and it was interesting what you were saying earlier about finding that balance and how you prioritize and how you get things done because it has taken a lot of mindset work to shift that for me I think the biggest difference is getting comfortable with the fact that you're never going to be finished I often have to finish I often have to stop tasks midway through which is not really my style. And then you have to pick them up the next day or three days later. Um, your to-do list is never finished, but I also refuse to feel guilty about that. And I think sometimes the to-do list can feel like um, a thing that's in the back of your head that's just a lot of pressure. And I'm just accepting that thing of I'm doing what I can with what I have, where I am, and eventually I'll be able to do more. And that has been really helpful to recognize that there will always be more to do. There will never, ever be a day in my business where everything is done. And yours is the same because you have that thing of the more work you do, the more work it generates. <laughs> you know, you send someone an email and you get something organized and then you have to do the thing. If I'm having a consultation with clients and then they book me and then we have to actually do the, do the work together. And that's great. 
so it's just recognizing that there's always going to be more to do has been a massive shift for me um other things that I've done in the past year that have been uncomfortable really looking at like my business model and how I want to work so one of the first things I started doing last year was I want I really really wanted to teach in-person workshops I'd done a lot of that when I was employed in the charity sector and I wanted to do it here where I live locally and oh it was such a disaster I I I found a venue I set some workshops up I put them on sale and basically nobody bought tickets and I was so upset because I thought great I'm absolutely useless and nobody wants to work with me but I just wasn't thinking clearly about it because I was putting these workshops on that were the audience was mums I was putting them on in the evening at like 7.30 in a local venue. And people were literally saying to me, I really want to come, but I can't because I still feed my kids at bedtime or my partner doesn't get back from work until eight. Lots of really perfectly valid reasons why they couldn't come. And I just sat myself down one day and was like, what are you doing? You need to teach these workshops online because my audience is all online. I've got a really, really fantastic, engaged Instagram community who have followed me for all sorts of different reasons and it's amazing to be able to teach my workshops that way because people can show up in their pajamas with their messy hair on their sofa you know there's a replay so if they're interrupted because they need to feed their baby or you know the cat needs to be let out or whatever they can do that so it was really uncomfortable to feel like I failed at something but I don't really like to use the word failed. I prefer to say that I'm learning. And the real lesson that I learned there was that you just need to go where your audience are, find, like find them or meet them where you're already hanging out with them, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And I agree about the failure. And I feel like we need to be okay with being uncomfortable in the sense that, you know, we're going to have that worry that we're going to fail. We're going to actually fail, like technically, we're not going to do the thing we thought we were going to do. But actually, like you said, we always learn. And I think it's really an important part of the journey. And even things like, you know, going back to my podcast, I was afraid of asking people on my podcast, right? Just like in case they would say no, just little things like that. They come up all the time when you're running a business, you know, yeah. shall I do that little thing? Shall I reach out to that person? Shall I pitch myself to go on this podcast? You know, shall I try and sell this thing? just decisions all the time and it's like if we're afraid of just getting it wrong or it not working out the way we hope then it's just not going to go anywhere so being okay with that is a huge huge part of it and I'm guessing you know your process of trying to put on that workshop probably led you down the path to like figure out to do the online ones you know absolutely absolutely so I'm in hindsight I'm thankful that I tried to do something that way and it didn't work because if it did work it would have been on a much smaller scale and it wouldn't have helped my business grow in the way that it has in the last 12 months. And I think that thing of, you know, putting yourself out there and asking people and um, I talk to a lot of my clients about this all the time because we're always intimidated to ask for what we want. But if you don't ask, the answer is already no. And I think that's the thing is people are afraid to ask in case it's no, but it's already no if you're not even putting yourself out there for what you want such a good way of putting it and um I if anyone listening has got something that they need to ask people for you know trust me ask people you never know almost everyone I've asked to be on my podcast to be in my community project has said yes and it's just amazing and it just and you get to this point where you're just like I don't mind if they say no loads of people actually did say no to me when I ran my I ran a community project back in 
July 2019 and a lot of people actually did say no to me about that but I was okay because the reason they said no is because I totally stretched my kind of comfort zone and I contacted people who really had absolutely no idea who I was who I hadn't really contacted before some of them actually did say yes though which I think is really amazing yeah you never know you never know it's easy to imagine what other people's vision and goals and focus are but you never know what it is that they're trying to do and so collaborating on stuff I mean that project was really fantastic because there were some incredible people that contributed to it and um yeah I, I can imagine that it was intimidating but when you ask 50 people at the same time one of them saying no doesn't matter so much as when you yeah ask one person exactly. and they say no and then you're like oh no now I can't ask the yeah. second one and I can tell you that I'm a lot more comfortable with asking people now honestly I got I, I got quite used to it that's the thing your comfort zone can stretch so quickly when yeah. you just set yourself a challenge like okay I'm just going to ask whoever I want and it's okay if some of them say no your comfort yeah. zone really does stretch it's it's really amazing actually how quickly you can get comfortable with something that felt previously very uncomfortable yeah absolutely is that can you think of any times in your business recently where you've you've had something that made you feel really uncomfortable and you now it's just like water off a duck's back oh the one that comes to mind is selling ah, like immediately yeah, yeah. selling and I and I think you all have probably been on a similar journey with this I I you know the first time I started selling workshops online and and just you know in case anyone's not familiar what I do is I do in my coaching business I do a mix of seeing private clients usually online we work one-to-one I do some group programs where we have about 10 to 12 people and um, there's, you know, group exercises and work that we do together. And then I do these online guided coaching workshops. So they are kind of like a webinar or a presentation or an online class that people can take from anywhere. They're super scalable. Um, There's no requirement for people to show up on camera or contribute, you know, their darkest fears or, you know, greatest dreams. Um, And I teach the lesson and then everybody gets a workbook and they can go through it and when I first launched those I was I did that classic thing of like posting about it on Instagram hiding the phone under a cushion (laughs) going away being like oh god nobody wants this I'm so I'm so terrified I'm so rubbish like oh and selling felt really uncomfortable for me because I was stepping into that space you know I I my private clients tend to come through referral and they come very easily and naturally to me, which is great. And I haven't really had to work on selling that too much, but this was a totally out of my comfort zone thing. And now I just feel really comfortable with it because I found, I feel like I've really found my stride in terms of I can talk about lots of different things that these classes might cover. And then I can just connect it in and say, if this is something that you might also be dealing with, we're going to cover this in this workshop, which is happening on Monday, for example. The other thing that I found really incredible in shifting my attitude around selling is um, just talking about what I'm working on all the time. And even if I don't have anything currently on sale, I can be saying in my Instagram stories or my newsletter, I'm currently putting together the workbook for this that's coming later. Or, you know, I'm researching some things around procrastination so that I can put a class together about that, for example. And when you start to kind of drip feed and tell people regularly what it is that you're working on, it is selling in a way because you're reminding people of what it is that you do without being like, buy now, link in my bio, pay here, sign up today. Exactly. And it and it feels much more comfortable and easy and flowy and elegant and 
natural to yeah, me. I totally agree. And I feel like I'm at an advantage in terms of the comfort I feel of selling. Like I'm not saying I feel comfortable all the time, but because I've been running a business online for so long as a, you know, individual, I have had to sell like all that time. So I have got, I've gotten okay with it. Um, but I know that selling is so uncomfortable for so many people. And the bottom line is you have to sell your stuff if you are a business owner. You just have to. Like, yeah. you deserve to. I really feel like you deserve to be able to yeah. share what you're selling with people. And you're absolutely right that selling is so much more than just, I have X, Y, Z product. This is what it does. Come and buy it now. Like, that, there's a time and a place for that kind of selling. And you do need to mention really explicitly what you're selling so that people know. But... There are so many ways to talk about what you're working on. The behind the scenes is really my favorite, like you just mentioned, sharing excitement about things. And I honestly think if you're the kind of business like we are, you know, you're the face of your brand, you're showing up as yourself, you're working with people as yourself. Like, I mean, you might do a different sort of service than what we do. But if you're like the face of your brand, I honestly think that your sales content isn't really that different from any other content. It's just that it ties in with the subject. Like you mentioned, you might talk about a subject that you're, that is covered in one of your workshops and it just happens to be that you have something to sell. So then you mention it. It's really not that different. And I feel like, yeah, if people could get comfortable with selling more and often we think that we've been selling stuff loads, right? We think we've been talking about stuff loads, but we, we usually need to talk about it more, I would say. Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's easy to forget that, you know, let's say 20, let's say you mention it once on Instagram and 20% of your followers see it because of the algorithm. And then you mention it again, well, maybe only a, maybe a different 20% or the, the people who see it the next time, only a small number of those will also have seen it the first time. It's easy to forget that our, our communities aren't online all day, every day, yeah. just waiting for whatever it is that I'm about <laughs> to post. <laughs> and judging you like with the like checklist. Oh, Holly's mentioned this again today. This is the, the third time this month. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, the 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 thing around selling and, and you'll feel this exactly the same because we're we're the classic like company of one. You know, we it's just us. It's just us doing everything. I don't have a marketing team to go out and do this stuff for me. So you have to be there showing up for it. And it's going to be uncomfortable. A, a massive um, thing that I have been working through and I'm always going to be working on really is that thing around knowing that I have value. I'm a chronic overhelper. And I just I always say that if I won the lottery, I would do what I would I would do what I do, but I would do it for free because I just want to help everyone. But actually, that's a really unhelpful attitude because one, I need to earn money uh, and I want to earn money, which I'm not ashamed of. Two, I also really give people value through the work that I do. And sometimes that deserves to be paid for. But I think when I first started my coaching work, I was really uncomfortable about um, pricing my one-to-one time at a higher rate. And, you know, I know there are coaches out there who charge thousands for what they do, and that's great. And they have their clients get incredible value. I've always felt like coaching shouldn't be a luxury and it should be accessible to everyone. It shouldn't just be for people who have money. And that's why I've worked really hard on finding the right balance in my business in terms of having, you know, private clients who work with me directly, um, corporate workshops that might be bespoke, which have a different rate. But then also group programs that are around the £250 mark. And then my workshops that are online are around £25. So 
I've really tried. And then obviously there's all the stuff that I do on Instagram and my newsletter that is free content because I want people to be able to have that help. And that's something that is always going to be uncomfortable for me, I think is charging because I just basically want to, you know, I want to just come around, make you a cup of tea, sit down on the sofa, help you figure everything out. But that's not realistic. And uh, and also, that's not what everybody needs. People like to be able to work with you in different ways, I think. And I have some clients who do all three, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, personally, there's this other, the flip side of it. And it's something that loads of coaches talk about. But I do think there is some truth in it is that sometimes, you know, people need to invest some money in order to take oh something gosh. seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. totally. Because you, you'll know this. And I know this from um sometimes i do like free challenges and stuff on instagram through email and people are really excited and they sign up and like 80 percent of people read day one yeah and then 60 percent <laughs> read day two yeah. and then 50 percent read day three and then by the time you get to day five it's like 20 percent and and you know that if that was a paid thing people would probably commit more but that's fine you know it's just finding finding the right people in the right area yeah but yeah I agree I've done a lot of I've signed up for a lot of free stuff and done nothing with it (laughs) and I've paid a lot of money for coaching yeah that has been life-changing because I've gotten so much out of it and I've been committed to doing it because I've invested part of it is who you're working with but part of it is literally your commitment and that investment is like oh god now I have to commit um but I think it's important to talk about this discomfort of selling and I think a lot of people will find will will resonate with the idea of it literally just being uncomfortable for to charge for what you do Mm. however like we have to choose to lean into that discomfort and charge and I this has come up in my business recently right so I doubled my prices in maybe October and before that you know I had clients and I was thinking I just knew that I needed to charge more, right? And everyone has different circumstances. I think that's part of it. And I knew that in my circumstance as the breadwinner and what I need to earn, I just knew it wasn't sustainable for me to carry on charging what I was. So Mm -hmm. I made, and it felt very uncomfortable to double my prices. You know, there's loads of people who charge way more than me, but there's also a lot of people who charge less than me. Mm. Um, But ultimately I knew... I had to go with a price that really supports my life. You know, I felt mm-hmm. like I had to be a bit selfish because I am a breadwinner and I only have so much mental capacity to take on a certain number of clients, all of that kind of thing. Also, as a business mentor, it's really important for me to model charging a price that I want to charge to my own yeah, clients. Absolutely. So I had to really and and no you, no one told me to do that. I had to make that decision myself. Double my prices and and in the weeks before I doubled them, I hadn't really had met many inquiries at all. I don't think I had any inquiries for for several weeks. So that made it even more. It just seemed like, am I being ridiculous? <laughs> but I just couldn't not. So although it felt exceedingly uncomfortable, I sat with it for long enough to know that I've just got to do it. I've just got to try. Yeah. Um, and I do feel uncomfortable, but I've I've come, I've thought a lot about this stuff and I think pricing and selling all of this we've got to be a bit selfish and Mm -hmm. I I don't even like phrasing it like that I need to find a better way but we do need to take care of our needs and our needs are all slightly different but at the end of the day you've got to charge what you feel comfortable with and you've got to sell it and 
also by the way it did work out me doubling my prices which is just amazing I kept telling myself this is going to be a story that I tell my clients how I doubled my prices (laughs) and then it worked and it did but um yeah that's so great Um, and you know I think that thing of feeling like sometimes you need to just make selfish decisions it's actually just that you need to make realistic decisions because you are only one person you know I I have to charge more for one-to-one coaching because I cannot possibly clone myself in order to do more of that so if it was cheap then I wouldn't make the money that I need to bring in um and I absolutely need to raise my prices as well so it's really inspiring to hear you say that and it's been a kick up the bum to go and get it done and uh and review some of that but um yeah I think you know it's also we could dig into it for hours but it's part of a wider conversation around feminism and the patriarchy and the structure of um you know systems of oppression that keep women small and not wanting to charge for their work and um you know I sometimes remember once I told my mum that I was running some classes and she said do people pay to come to that and I was like yeah she said how much are tickets I said they're 25 pounds what and then I was so upset about it because I thought well no if my mum wouldn't pay it no one's going to pay it but my mum is not my target client exactly and your mum like loves you and cares for you but she doesn't understand that side of it no she's not the kind of person who would ever engage in coaching either yeah Yeah. so um you know it was a good lesson there in just you know listening to the right people and uh not always mum knows best (laughs) yeah you know what that has brought us nicely to something else I wanted to talk to you about so that discomfort of basically trusting in yourself Mm. so in 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 situations like that where it's someone in like in real life you know in quotes who who doesn't get it and who's maybe sort of saying something that sounds a bit judgy and makes you question even, even though they love you whatever but it can make you question um so like standing your ground, like believing in the work you do. And also what you mentioned right at the beginning of the interview about how, you know, that comparisonitis type thing or hearing all the noise from different places, it can, you can feel really firm about something and then you can hear one little thing that one random person says on social media and you're like, oh my God, questioning my entire business model now. I should do it that way. I should do it that way. Um I feel like that's a big part of it too because I feel like learning how do I put this I feel like a journey I've been on recently is is deciding to trust myself and being okay with other people having a different opinion to me and still Mm -hmm. knowing that what I'm doing and what I think is valid and I feel like that's a bit uncomfortable does that make sense what I'm saying oh yeah that makes so much sense okay good yeah (laughs) especially in the kind of work that we do because um there'll be a lot of people out there who are doing the similar things to us very successfully. And it feels like there's a specific way that you do yes. this work. Yeah. And then there are things that feel really uncomfortable to me that I think I don't want to do that. And so I, and then I have to interrogate, am I resisting it because I don't want, you know, is there something there that I'm just like, I'm just not sure or I'm uncomfortable or is it just that I really don't want to do that? Yes. So for example, I know lots of, um, lots of brilliant coaches who have like um, group membership programs. And when I first started thinking, should I do a group membership? I was just like, no, don't want to do it. And then I thought, well, why don't I want to do it? Is it because I don't want to um, figure out how to start one? Is it because I'm not sure how I would market it? Is it because I'm not sure what people would get from it? And actually, it's just, it's the kind of thing that I just feel it would be a massive commitment for me to make it 
really valuable for people. And so it's not on my radar to do mm-hmm. something like that right now. Um, I'm trying to think of another example. Oh, one thing is that I, so I personally don't really like using Facebook that much. Mm-hmm. I do use it a bit for work and I'm in a few fantastic groups over there, including yours. And again, um, when I first started doing my online workshops, I would run the live classes through Facebook. But then I was having people messaging me saying, oh, I really want to do it, but I don't have a Facebook page. And so I was thinking, okay, well, I'm, I'm resistant personally to using this. So I know that other people are resistant personally to using Facebook. So why would I be using Facebook to grow my business? And now I use a different platform that that isn't free that I pay for. And I'm investing in my business in that way. Um, Does that answer that question? Yeah, I think so. This is what I'm thinking with that answer. You've basically, you're digging into your discomfort about things. It comes back to what we were talking about right at the beginning, the difference between being uncomfortable, but it's still being worth doing and it being uncomfortable because it's not right for you. And I feel like you digging into that with, and it, and it comes up in big decisions and in small decisions in your business, right? Yeah. You digging into that actually strengthens your muscle when it comes to being able to get uncomfortable with things because you know you're doing it from a really grounded, um, what's the word, what's the word? You're doing it in, in integrity with yourself yeah, and what you personally value and all your, it can be some ethical things or it could just literally be to do with your personality. You're doing it really in integrity with yourself and you know you're getting uncomfortable for a reason, I think. And it is worth stretching your comfort zone, but not if it's something that is just totally wrong for your business. Like you don't want to do a membership program. That's absolutely fine and understandable. Yeah. yeah. And maybe one day I'll change my mind. Exactly. But, it's, yeah. but sort of knowing that means that I can completely put it to one side and I'm not wasting any of my time exploring it mentally and thinking, how would it work? And, you know, I can just be like, no, that's not where my focus is right now. And then focus more on the things that I am really excited about doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like I've been leaning into this a lot with my business, like testing myself, breaking some of the rules, trying to do things a bit differently. And it's been such an incredible experience. Like I just launched a group program and all I did was like created a PDF and then asked people to message me to get it. And that was just such a different way of launching something. But it taught me so much that about not following things just because other people are doing them, feeling into what feels right for you. I had so much fun with it. I got to chat with a lot of people, not everyone who bought it, but like loads of other people. It was like such an interesting experience. And I just think, yeah, using that, just just lean, like digging into things, figuring out which things are worth getting uncomfortable about and which aren't. But that in itself is uncomfortable because you have to trust yourself as a yes. business owner. It's so different to if you're employed, because if you've got ideas in your workplace, you usually have to ask for permission from someone. And in your business, you have to give yourself permission mm-hmm. to try different things. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you have to give yourself permission to not try certain things. And I think, you know, it's it's one of the best things about having your own business is that you can experiment Um you know, I've been talking a lot about mindset on Instagram this week. And one of the big things that I, um, I guess it's a tool or, a, a, you know, it's a mindset thing that, that I adopt is that I have an experimentation mindset. So I'm really open to trying things. I'm really open to learning. And I view everything as an experiment, which is great because it's just like it makes everything more fun. It keeps me more curious. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work because it was just an experiment. And I have a hypothesis about how it might go. But 
you know, I'm willing to be proved, I hope I'm going to be proved right, but I'm willing to be proved wrong. And that is really helpful rather than being so focused on it's going to go exactly like this and setting myself up for disappointment. Oh, that is so, so useful. And I actually kind of think that our, especially online businesses, they are just a bit of an experiment because it's a bit crazy, actually, when you think about when you just think about how the internet has developed and things have changed so quickly over the past however many years, it's just, it is an experiment. Things are changing all the time. We're creating something out of nothing. It's quite incredible, really, but it's not easy to make all those decisions yourself. Yeah. So I, th- I better wrap things up because we've been talking for nearly an hour. I love we this We could topic. talk for so much longer, <laughs> I know. Um, so... I've got a random question for you from my deck of random questions. It's a big okay. one. It is, when you die, what do you want to be remembered for? <laughs> oh my goodness, that is a big question. Um, oh, legacy. Well, this is really interesting to me because I have a background in, I was going to say I have a background in death. That doesn't make sense. But I, um, as well as being a wedding celebrant, I'm a trained funeral celebrant. I have also studied death and dying with the Open University and I've given lots of talks about death and dying and it's something that I talk about a lot, my family talk about it a lot, I encourage people to talk about it a lot, I don't talk about it so much on Instagram. It's one area of my work that I've really, I have kind of let go of, I'm not doing funeral um, celebrancy anymore because it doesn't fit in with everything else but when I die I feel like I would just like to if people remember me, I would just let them to have a warm feeling. I would just let them to have a story to tell, you know, remember something funny or an experience that we shared or something that they learned from me or just, yeah, it sounds so like trite to say, I just want them to be remembered fondly. But I think it is as simple as that. It's not about, for one, any massive thing. I just, the, the kind of work that I do, it brings me in touch with so many different kinds of people for so many different reasons and I just would like them to think that our time together had been positive oh. and helped them in some way yeah that's a good question that's, that's very deep it's lovely oh thank you so much I really really enjoyed this chat I think it's going to be very useful for people yeah it's wonderful I could really talk about being uncomfortable for such a long time and I'm glad to see more people being open to being upfront about what makes them uncomfortable because it's a it's we're all feeling it we just need to kind of own it and get it out there and again with the cliches a problem shared is a problem halved (laughs) and when you admit that you feel that feeling of discomfort about something people agree and then you're like oh great we're not alone yes I totally agree and it helps me when other people share that they're uncomfortable because I'm like oh well if they can do it then maybe I can too yeah yeah absolutely thank you so much for having me this has been great thank you if you want to find out more about holly and what she does then go visit her website at hollyjunesmith.co.uk or find her on instagram at hollyjunesmith all one word thank you so much for listening to another episode of creatively human if you have a moment i'd be so grateful if you could rate and review the podcast it really does make a difference And if you'd like to carry on the conversation or ask a question for a future Q&A episode, there are three ways to connect with me. On the Facebook group, on Instagram, at Ruth Poundwhite, or my personal favourite, my behind-the-scenes newsletter. Just go to ruthpoundwhite.com forward slash newsletter to subscribe. And keep doing what you're doing, because your work really does matter.